What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I am your host, Matthew Anderson. Hope everybody tuned in to last week's episode, Timeless episode. It is a little bit old now, but go back and listen to it. It's a great one. Got my guy Thomas, or Anna, excuse me, excuse me. I have our sports analyst, football, basketball, he does it all. Uh, Thomas Hemingway back on for another week. Thomas, what's going on? What's up, man? Glad to be back as always. Hey, look, full disclosure, y'all, me and Thomas just did a whole pre-episode. Like, I, I listened to Colin Cowherd talk, and he says, like, he usually runs through the whole show one time with Joy before it goes live. That's what me and Thomas just did, basically. So now this episode <laughs> should be a little bit better than what we were expecting. But let me stop doing all this talking about nothing. For, let's go ahead and get started. So without further ado, welcome to my sports house. Okay, and y'all, uh, just to be clear, voice is a little hoarse today, so we're working through some technical difficulties, so just bear with me. Hopefully, I'll be back 100% next week. We're going to go ahead and start off with the SEC Championship game. That was on CBS. I want to say that game started at 4. I, I, was, I, I was about to say something else. Can't say that on camera. Uh, Alabama gets the win. Final score, 41-24. I bet $20 right before this game because a voice in my head said, and I feel like I've heard this a hundred thousand times from people just in general through life, betting against Bama, you don't like money. So when I asked the guy, I was like, yo, I was like, uh, he was like, who you going for? I was like, Bama. He's like, Georgia. And so I'm like, bet against Bama. And I was like, okay, cool. You want to bet on it? He was like, for sure. So easiest money I done came across. But Thomas, what were your thoughts on the game? Man, it was definitely a uh... It was definitely surprising me to see, um, I guess, Bama come out. And I, I wouldn't call it dominating, but, I mean, winning by, you know, that wide of a margin. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, it, it was definitely a surprise. But, I mean, kind of like you said, going back in the, the day, you never want to bet against Bama. You know, saving always going to get that team ready, make sure they, uh, you know, come out prepared to play. Um, it was impressive to see them come out and, and be fine. Like, that all cylinders after such a high emotion game that they just played a week ago at Auburn. Um, and Georgia definitely had the same type of game, you know, shutting out Georgia Tech's 45, nothing or whatever that score was. So um, I think it was a, a real impressive showing by Alabama. Um, you know, kind of, I, I said, I don't want to get too far ahead, but, you know, I know that injury to Messi is going to uh, kind of mess him up um, in the near future. But but Jamison Williams had a big game. That was, you know, good to see from him. So it was a little uh, disappointing to, to, I guess, kind of see – Georgia's defense give up all the points and, and kind of fold like that, um, even though they've been holding up all season. But um, when you got all that talent on on offense like Bama does, it's, you know, bound to happen. So, but it's a good showing by Bama for sure. Okay, I want to get some stats to kind of add some context to what Thomas is saying. Bryce Young went 26 for 44, 421 yards through the air and three touchdowns. I told Thomas because we were texting a little bit throughout the game. What Bryce Young does scrambling is just what is what exactly what I want CJ Stroud to do because it's like Bryce will kind of scramble to buy some time, but then he'll take off. 
sometimes. And if CJ would do that, I don't, and I understand CJ said, I'm a quarterback, I'm a job is to pass the ball, but I know he has those dual threat abilities. They're both California boys. I just wish if there's one thing, now granted, who am I to tell CJ Stroud he should work on the offseason? But <laughs> if I did have one piece of advice, it's like, yo, if we could just get a little bit more scrambling, I think that'd be great. But Bryce Young said all those kind of, I think that was a, it was some kind of record that was set there. And these are like a, what, a redshirt freshman? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, redshirt freshman, I think, yeah. Jamison Williams, seven receptions, 184 yards, two touchdowns. Guys averaging 26 yards per catch in this game. Thomas, let me ask you, your receiver, what do you think Jamison Williams done that, like, that uh, differentiates him from all the other receivers in college football? Um, well, I mean, number one is, is the main thing. Like everybody said, you can't teach speed. That just sounds like you you know, kind of born with, got to have that naturally in you. Um, so, I mean, that's number one, you know, when we see guys like, like Tyreek Hill, you know, in the league, when you got that, that world-class type speed, that track speed, that's just one thing right there that automatically, you know, put you in, put you in another level as far as um, receivers go. But, I mean, people, I'm not sure people forget, but, you know, we know he was at Ohio State last year, one of the top programs in the nation, got one of the best receiver coaches in the nation, and Brian Hartline. So, he already got good coaching up there. And then to come to, you know, arguably the top program in the country, getting the same coaching, if not better, at Bama, I mean, that's only going to perfect, you know, your details, uh, you know, when it comes to the position and, and things like that. So speed is definitely one thing. But, I mean, if you if you watch, uh, you know, his routes and, and how he runs him and stuff, it's, it's detailed. He's not, like, out of control. Um, he has good feet. Um and so, you know, like I said, I, you know, the speed thing is natural, but you got to give credit to, to coaching and stuff like that when you, uh, you know, go along the lines and the other stuff. And um, I'd say the next thing would just be, I guess, his, his effort or heart, however you want to describe it. Because, I mean, like we talked about last week, um, he's on a special team. Um, we see him going across the middle, making big catches, making plays after he gets the ball in his hands. Um, so, yeah, it's just make sure all those three is what I say. Hey, it was funny. I'm glad you brought up that effort thing. Because once again, this is a tidbit to all the high school players that are listening to this right now. Did you see him run down there as a gunner and go make that tackle? And at first when I saw it, I was like, oh, so Bama just don't care. See, I would feel like a lot of schools probably would have been on some, okay, he got that hard, like that hit penalty. We love the effort. We're going to take him off. He was right back out there, make the opening. Yep. Oh, I guess that was the first punt. Uh, make going down there making the tackle and that's just a great effort you know they say just like speed I guess you can't really coach effort it's like I just need you to have that so that was great yeah. um was something else I was about to say I thought because it, it seems like now everybody's kind of trying to be an analyst a little bit on Twitter and so they were like highlighting that clip with like how you were talking about his control it's like him running full speed and him learning how to control it or even like gear up to his top speed and then he ends up like kind of splitting the corner and the safety because there were two guys over there yeah 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 and it's some i guess something else to point out is you know being a gunner on your punch team i mean people see the job you doing you know getting by the corner running out for to make tackle but people aren't realizing a lot of them times or not a lot of them times in, in his case james williams he's always going to be coming off of off a drive, you know, where the offense just got off the field, no matter how many plays it is, whether it's, you know, three and out, whatever. Um, so, I mean, people got to take that into effect. He's just coming, you know, coming off running routes for two or three plays and then going down, making a play on a special team. So, yeah, that's that's a definitely be a sign to, you know, younger guys, guys in high school that really you you never too good to, you know, play special teams or get put in, you know, put in any position on the team. You 
really should just be doing whatever it takes to, you know, help your team win. So I think that's a prime example of that right there. Exactly. And so with John Mitchie being out, he's out because he's torn ACL on a nine. Whenever I see those non-contact injuries, I'm like, oh God, because it's like, it's one thing for it to be like a contact. It's okay. He got hit really hard, but the non-contact. So hopefully he recovers. And I'm probably, I'm assuming he'll probably enter the draft this year. if not hundred percent sure on that. But uh, it's going to be crazy to see who steps up now because this isn't like Alabama has a lot of guys at receiver, but like they, they don't have like the, the Henry Ruggs, the years with Devontae Smith, where it's like every single guy, as soon as you cut mm-hmm. on the TV, it's like, I know him, I know him, I know him. It's like you had those two guys and then you got some other guys that are probably four stars and five stars, but they're, they're just not as big of names so far. So it's going to be yep. interesting to see uh, who decides to step up uh, in their game against Cincinnati. And then oh, I'll, you, my fault. Yeah. Are you saying who I think gonna step up? Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, that I didn't say that, but let's go with that. Who you think gonna step up? Um, it's gonna have it's gonna have to be Jamison Williams, honestly. Um, I mean, I you know obviously the, the, the obvious answer will be the guys coming in behind Mechie. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it's it's you know now even bigger role is placed on Jamison Williams because now guys you know teams can roll coverages towards him, kind of you know maybe bracket him. Some plays if they want to double team sometimes. Um, so it's definitely going to be a bigger load on his shoulders. I wouldn't be surprised if in this game we don't see him on special teams, being that he'll probably have to take a lot of the load on offense. Because, um, I mean, I saw, you know, in um, in the Georgia game, uh, we see sometimes Bamba just wants to get the ball in his hands either way. So I saw him, you know, throw a couple of bubble screens out to him, a couple of little rocket screens. So, um, you know, when, when you get used like that in your offense, you really got to be, uh, you know, just always be, um, I guess, always ready. You could call it, like I said. So I wouldn't be surprised to not see him on uh, special teams um, in that game against Cincinnati. But for sure, the the, the Bama receivers behind makes you going to have to step up. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to be on Jameson to, you know, to lead that group and and, and bring it home for him. And speaking of leading the group, I love to see Henry Toa out there. You don't see too often a linebacker with no socks. The, the low <laughs> out there. <laughs> I noticed that. I said, he's a killer. He's a killer. You see a linebacker with that? Or you see him with, with that neck pad on? Do that. Yeah, but yeah, he's, his goal was when he left Tennessee, he said he wanted to compete for championships. He got plugged into the right situation. I know if you're on the Alabama recruiting staff, it's like we had Jamison Williams and Harry Toto, which guys that have already been developed at other institutions come here. One helps a lot with the offense. One, like the leader of the defense. It's like, oh, yeah, it don't get no better than this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, and I honestly uh... – I think that's the way with, you know, with the emergence of the transfer portal and all this kind of stuff. I think that's the, the honestly, the direction college football is going to be headed in is, is almost in a sense where, you know, because we got the rule where, where you got to stay three years, obviously. I think you're going to see more of that where guys might start off at, at, at Tennessee, which is, you know, by no means like a small D1 program or something. But you might see a guy start off at a, at a you know, South Carolina or something like that, play for a year or two, you know, two years, and then transfer to Bama for that last year to kind of, you know, prove to himself he can compete against the best competition, play in them big-time games. I think you'll start to see more of that out of guys with that transfer portal. It's funny you say that because Quincy Avery was talking – you know, Quincy Avery, I know y'all have heard me talk about it a lot, quarterbacks, coach with Deshaun, uh, Dwayne, uh, Trey Lance, all the guys. And anyway, he said that – he was like, right now he would tell quarterbacks, it's like – 
maybe you pass up that uh, FBS offer for a good FCS program where you can go get the reps and just transfer. And if you can get that great development, and then maybe you can go in and into further that Jordan Palmer was saying, guys, whenever you go on these recruiting trips, you need it. And especially now that you can transfer and not, let's not worry as much so about like, you know, like uniforms with big crowds, but like, what do y'all do to develop players? Like more, put more emphasis on that because now what, depending upon the developmental like system you have in place, you can help me develop and I can go elsewhere and, you know, kind of display my talent. So definitely yeah. something, some, some little nuggets there. We're going to keep it moving. So with this win, Alabama, eh, I'm going out of order. Let's stay in order here. Cause I was about to go <laughs> kind of, I was about to go left here. Uh, oh, and then one, I did want to say, it was nice to see that Alabama defense kind of back to what we know. It was like, you, you see the yeah. corners, you throw that ball through the middle, they picking it off. That defensive line of the linebackers at your head. Like, it, it seemed like that was back to like that 2009 Alabama uh, defense, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and people, um, you know, kind of, uh, I, I guess people aren't as deep into the game, uh, kind of don't understand that from the coaching aspect of like, um, well, I don't want to say that. I run that back and say, when I start, when I first started playing college football, it's something I kind of noticed um just throughout the season and, and through our coaches coaching is that as a coach you kind of got to make sure your team peaks at the right time yeah um so you know like we saw we saw Bama lose early in the season at AM. um I mean obviously you know you got all the media headlines people you know oh you know what's up with Bama all that kind of stuff um I'm you know I'm sure Saban probably wasn't that worried at the time because his you know coaches usually your only concern is having guys you know having their team peak at the right time so I think that's another good sign for Bama is, is, like you said, in the SEC championship game, you know, end of the season games, you got them looking like the Bama of old. So that's, you know, Saban's plan is probably all coming together like he wanted it to. I know he was going crazy in his head with that early late hit, but I saw, but then so I'm sure he yelled at the guy for all of eternity. But when I saw the hit, I was like, okay, he's vintage. We're going to be fine. So if Bama wins, they'll continue on going to playoff. They'll play Cincinnati. We'll talk about Cincinnati a little bit later. They'll play Cincinnati. And next we're going to talk about Michigan. I did want to go ahead and highlight this. So I put it on the Matt Sports House Instagram account. Y'all don't already follow the account. Make sure y'all go do that. Add Matt Sports 2S is Sports House. Yeah, Matt Sports House. But anyway, I want to talk about the stars. We'll just kind of mention it. So in this game, Georgia had night on the Georgia roster, they have 19 five stars. Alabama had 14. And th that's dope because there's aren't obviously aren't that many five stars. That's why they're five stars. But I thought the four stars is what was crazy. Uh Georgia had 47 four stars on this team. Alabama had 60. I was like, good grief. And then so, like, because everybody can't be a five star right under yeah. that four stars in the for the rosters to be filled of that. It's like the time yeah. is clearly through the roof. Yeah, I was about to say, and to put it in perspective, I mean, for people out there listening, a football team is usually only college football team. You know, you got the NFL teams, 53 man roster. So, a college team on the D1 level is usually only going to be about, you know, 70, 80 something guys, 80 something guys of the big teams. So, for Bama to have 60-something four-stars, that just put it in perspective right there. That about 80%, 90% of their team is high-level recruit. I really enjoy listening to uh, Devontae Smith on Club Shay Shay. And he said it. He said, at Alabama, you walk out there the first day, and Mika Fitzpatrick is the guy that's on you, and you're a freshman. And it's like, what are we about to do? So I feel like you either grow up quick or you transfer. And Nick Saban said on some podcast, he said, and I don't even worry about whenever guys transfer because they transfer out and they always try to find their way back. And it's like, well, the door's shut now. 
I don't know if Ooh. I I don't know if I showed uh, Thomas. I think I sent it to you. Greg Malkroy. Y'all, me and Thomas are like football addicts. So like this is this is just another <laughs> conversation for us. Uh, but Greg Malkroy was on Trent Dilfer's uh like podcast or YouTube or whatever. And he was talking about because remember Greg Malkroy was there when Nick Saban first got there. Yeah. And so, or maybe he was the recruit like coming off that first year. And uh, Nick Saban first year when Alabama was nothing. I remember, you remember John David Booty? You remember those days? Oh, yeah, come on now. You know, he <laughs> played on my Vikings. I got over Hey, when nobody was really checking for Alabama at that time, they were still waiting for this reemergence. And he was just talking about how tough it was. And Nick Saban was trying to eliminate everybody. So, and you, so, you know, I'm big in the quarterback space sometimes. I don't know if you've seen that. Make sure you go check that out. <laughs> for, the list, for the listeners, y'all make sure y'all go check that out. But I can only imagine the stories of whenever they were building that foundation with Scott Cochran and those guys of the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, because that's, that's the thing you, that's the kind of thing you got to do when you come to a new program um, is just weed out all those old guys who kind of still stuck on that old culture. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, you know, when you come to a new team, none of them guys are your recruits. They're all going to be stuck on, oh, well, this is what we did with our old coach. This is what we used to do. You know, this, this is the way we do it here. Um, whereas, you know, as a coach, that's your job is to come in and implement a new culture, you know, what, what you want that culture to be. So that definitely ain't surprising to hear. Yeah, a lot of times that we not process is, is vicious, you know, you know, mean workouts, you know, hard practices, stuff like that, because they, they really want to see, you know, who, who want to be there that bad. So yeah, I'm, I ain't surprised to hear that. I got to go check that out. Yeah, no, it was good. I didn't listen to the full thing. I just heard that clip. I said, that's exactly what I need to watch. There's so much content out these days. It's, it's really hard to keep up. Like the another million dollars worth of games just dropped. Another, well, all these different things. It's like, man, <laughs> like it's like work content, that's it. But <laughs> we're going to keep it moving. Uh, Michigan, Iowa. Talk about this kind of briefly because of the score. 42-3. Michigan. You expect Michigan to jump off and kind of go crazy like that? Or did you thought it was gonna be a little closer Big Ten championship game? I thought it was gonna be a closer game just because uh we know them uh, well Michigan from this year and we know Iowa just as a program kind of play uh two similar styles of ball that you know physical run heavy, you know, play defense kind of football. So I definitely didn't think it was gonna be a, a blowout like it was. Um but it was it was impressive to see Michigan come out there and do that. Um especially just when, you know, the past few years we've kind of known them for not being able to to um, come through and win the big game. Um, so that's a big win for Harbaugh, uh, locked up their spot in the playoff. Um, and then, you know, that, that Hutchinson kid, we we seen him emerge. I feel like he's trying to pass it up to at Oregon for that, you know, uh, possible number one pick. So it seemed like every week he just keep getting better and better. I mean, three weeks ago, he told me the last name Hutchinson. I wouldn't know who he was talking about, but. After this, after this Ohio State game and this Big Ten championship, it's like this kid might might be the next number one overall pick. Yeah, no, Hutchinson is a beast. Unfortunately, I know that firsthand because he is the reason. Well, not specifically him because Haskins did his thing, but he's the reason I wasn't watching the Big Ten championship because Ohio State was not playing. So I know way too much about this Hutchinson cat. Like you said, that's a really good point. He might pass up for that. Uh, he might be able to patch up the guy from Oregon. And did you see the Oregon head coaches probably? And this we're supposed to talk about this later, but it's whatever. You saw the Oregon's head coaches probably leaving to go to uh, Miami. Yeah. Man, it's a man. <laughs> man, it's a dirty game with this with this coaching chance hell. And it's I'm I'm telling you that the college game, the D one game was just basically becoming the league, honestly. Yeah. Transfer portal is like free agency. You got coaches leaving after a season or two, not not telling the players nothing, not worrying about the players. So it's just it's all becoming a business at the end of the day. And the thing is, 
it's like, yo, he had really built that Oregon program up. So I was kind of surprised. I was thinking maybe he was going to stay there, stay out there and see if he could finally, you know, get him to complete on the national stage in the national championship in the college football playoff again. But yeah, no, he's heading to Miami, I think, because Manny Diaz is out. Now, granted, yeah. the one thing I say about going to Miami, because it seems like everybody goes there and they can attain a certain level of success, but they can't get through the hump. I remember they did play Clemson a couple years back, ACC championship game. But it's like the road to the ACC championship game in Miami, it's, it's tough because you do have to go through a schedule. But it's manageable. Really, it's just can you beat Clemson. That's how yeah. I kind of yeah. see it. Yeah, and I think that's, um, you know, I think that's part of the reason why, you know, man, uh, Diaz got let go to where I, I think 2020 was his first year as Miami's head coach. Um, and, you know, obviously yeah, the programs look for – for some kind of improvement, you know, from year one to year two, I don't think they saw that or whatever. But like you said, I, I'm pretty sure when they, you know, tell the coaches come in, it's kind of like, you know, I mean, y'all got, you know, one big game to win to, you know, to to secure that spot in the ACC championship and being Clemson. Um, but honestly, man, I think uh, I think a tough thing with that Miami job is, is anybody coming in that Miami job, you're going to be chasing goats. Because anytime yeah. somebody comes in new, what way we here? Oh, oh, we want to restore them days from the from the eighties or them A. Reed days and Sean Taylor days. When it's, it's kind of like you got to move past that. You got to yeah. start your own coach and start new. Kind of like you know what what Saban's doing at Bama, because um, you know essentially that's what we're gonna look at as like our you know Miami of the eighties. We're gonna be looking back like man, them, them Bama teams from the from the twenty teens. You know, so I think that's a, that's another issue with that Miami job is just the. The fans, they they're just so stuck in that in that you know in them glory days from the eighties, nineties, and thousands that they kind of look for a repeat of that whenever the the you know next head coach comes in. So, yeah, yeah, because this is like looking back at those Miami days, and you watch the, the Miami the thirty for thirty to you and the you part two, which are really well put together. It's like those were different kind of guys going in there. We talking about like yep. Louis, Michael Irvin's. There's a hundred thousand. You can name them all day. Warren Sapp, uh, The Rock. Like, like, this is just like a whole different Hall of Fame. <laughs> so it's like, at this way, he's like, let's just leave that to where it was. And like you said, let's try right. to build something new. So that was interesting. I saw that. But like I said, Michigan blew this game out the win. Work. I know Harbaugh's happy. You know, he's heard so long, like, okay, Harbaugh, like, you know, he can't win the big game. Now he's taking Michigan to the college football playoff. And I know that Michigan faithful, the Wolverines, uh, are super excited to go. But now in this college football playoff game, this Alabama-Cincy matchup, just we're going back to Bama here for a quick second. Jameson Williams versus Sauce Gardner. Because I've been hearing about Sauce, and you know now that they have player, what is it, player football, PFF, player football focus, yeah. whatever it is, it's like they're saying like he's the best DB against such and such all year. But it's like we're going to get to see it all in this one. We're going to get to see yep. it all. And, I, and it, they even had him following guys. Like, I, they don't seem to do that quite as much in college. But they had him following receivers this year. So, how do you think this matchup potentially goes with him and Jameson? Man, honestly, that's uh, that's, that's that's going to be the only reason why I'm excited to see this game. Because, man, I, I think they kind of said Cincinnati up a failure. I hope I ain't getting too far ahead. But I think they kind of said Cincinnati up a failure, putting the boys up against Bama. Um, you know, in that, in that first round match here. But I'm definitely excited to see this. Um, you know, like you say, all season, I've just been seeing Stars Gardner, you know, no touchdowns allowed in his career, only, yeah. you know, this many amount of yards given up in so many games. Um, and, you know, you, you kind of got to take them ratings with a grain of salt because, I mean, 
all we see is them posting ratings, you know, and, and, and the pretty little graphic. We don't know necessarily what goes in the, them ratings, you know, how they're watching it, what they're looking for, whatever. But regardless, it's, you know, impressive. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, one, if he's following them. Um, and then, two, if he is, you know, just how that matchup fares. Um, will Bama kind of try to scheme, you know, Jamison Williams get open, you know, running pick routes and still trying to get picks on Gardner or they just kind of, don't let them go one-on-one -on -one and say, you know, our guy's better than yours. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I, I think at first we'll probably get a couple one-on-one -on -one shots between them two. Bam will probably take some shots at them because you do see that with a lot of, uh, you know, big-time programs. It is a lot of pride, you know, going into them games. So they kind of want to show and set the tone, you know, that, that our guys are better than yours. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him take a shot at, at Gardner D. Um, just because I'm, I'm sure that's, you know, all that all that Jameson Williams has been hearing is, oh, this guy's never given up a touchdown, you know, shutdown corner. So if if Bama can come out, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and make my little prediction here, I guess. Um, not for the game, but just if Bama can come out and, and, and hit Jameson Williams on a big shot um, on Gardner, I think that's going to set the tone for the game because that's like, you you know, you that's showing you going at Cincinnati's best, arguably best player on the team, you know, right then and there off the gate. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see that match. That's, that's two, you know, first round picks going at it right there. Exactly. And so, but since you kind of hinted at it, so you thought, did you think that uh, Cincinnati should be ranked three? And so they should have been playing Michigan in the uh, college football playoff in the first round? I think, I think they should have been either at two or three. Cause I mean, I mean, they went undefeated. They, they, they went to South Bend and beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Um, so I mean, it's is I kind of I kind of hate to steal RG 3s uh, uh, thunder, but I really like what he said about him um, yesterday on ESPN. He was saying that you know before the season we saw that they had the road game at Notre Dame, uh, which saw Cincinnati did last year. You know they had the one loss, uh, which you know pretty much came out of the playoffs. So coming into the year we were saying you know y'all got to win out, win your conference championship. You know when you guys are trying to play off. So it's like for them to do that, go undefeated, have no, you know, really no, I don't want to say no hiccups. They had to close games, obviously. But to go through and go undefeated and then still be at the forward spot to where it's like y'all are almost putting them out, you know, at a playoff, I didn't think that was right. Um, so, yeah, I think that they should have at least been in the two or three spot. But, yeah, we we, we kind of see what the, what the committee wants to be on. We're putting the boys up against Bama in that first, that first round. Because, I mean, with, with a, you know, in school like Bama, I, Eventually, talent is just going to beat out talent in a game like that. I just think Bam is just going out physical at the end of the day. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think that was right putting Cincinnati at four. They could at least get him more to stop putting him at two or three or something. Yeah, and I think for them to, like you kind of said here, for them to know what they have to accomplish the whole year. And it's like it's different when there's expectation. to And yep. for Desmond Riddler, I think he leads almost every single category at the school now as far as quarterbacking. But to be able to uh, lead them through the whole entire season, going road and Notre Dame almost played in the playoff, so it's one like a Notre Dame. And that's what I'm saying. It's, it's yeah. not like Notre like y'all ready to put Notre Dame in the playoff, and these are who they went to their home, you know, yeah. home stadium and beat them. So I'm not understanding how they are for. So we're gonna get to see last year. I think a lot of people remember in the playoff game, not the playoff, but just like New Year's Six, they played Georgia. I would say I'll play Georgia for three quarters, and then just let mm -hmm. Georgia kind of come back and win. Uh, this week, that will not be the case. So, I mean, uh, not this week, uh, but obviously this year, they'll play Alabama. I'm sure Alabama will be firing all cylinders. Alabama will probably have the Heisman Trophy winner and Bryce Young. 
So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, now I want to go ahead and move here to, because in the other game, obviously it's one versus four, two versus three. They're going to have Michigan, Georgia. What do you think this matchup looks like? I don't think that this is going to be the most exciting game. That's just my opinion. You say you don't? Michigan, Georgia, I think this is going to be a lot of, I think Pickens is back, which is nice. I, I know you saw Pickens playing this last game. Oh, yeah. yeah I sure. just don't see a lot of, like, excitement. I feel like it's going to be like a like a, a slugger match. But what do you predict kind of to see in this game? See, look, for me, that's hey, that's exciting for me, and especially in a playoff game, but that much is not a lot. Um, but, no, nah, I, I think it's going to be that same kind of game. It's going to be a kind of physical yeah, hard hitting kind of game. You know, it, it's one in between the trenches. You won't see too much. Uh, but you know, in a game like that, where it's one between the trenches, essentially that just makes the matchups on the outside and on the back end more important because you know it's only going to be a certain amount of shots taken. You know, at them guys. So uh, yeah, I agree with you in the sense it, it'll be a slugfest. Um, but honestly, I think it'll be the most exciting one just off the fact I think Bam is going to blow Cincinnati out the water. <laughs> Um, I think that game is going to be over at halftime. So I think Michigan and Georgia will be a four-quarter game. But I'm definitely – this is probably going to be one of the, the first games I'm watching, you know, guys go at it in the trenches. Because um, I definitely want to see, you know, Jordan Davis at Georgia, um, you know, potential first-round pick going up against the Michigan O-line, who, who's pretty good in their own right. So yeah, it's definitely going to be a physical matchup. I'm excited for it. I'm glad you mentioned that, and we got to mention the South Carolina talent, uh, Channing Tindall, who plays at uh, uh, Georgia linebacker. That front seven, six, whatever, at Georgia is the truth, and they're always going to be the truth. Like, they're they not playing no games. They're not allowing no crazy amount of rushing yards. So it is going to be like that slugger fest, yeah. like that Big Ten, those Big Ten offensive linemen. It's like, we're, we're better than you guys versus them front seven for Georgia who going to come to play every week. And I think also in – I think if Burton has a big game that gives Georgia a little edge, I feel like they'll take their shots with Burton. And uh, yeah. and uh, what Dalvin Cook's younger brother, James Cook? James, yeah, James Cook. Because yeah. he, they were saying Saban is like, the, he he was like, oh, God, like he didn't, he knew that he had a, a something he was going to have to deal with James Cook because the guy catches the ball at the backfield really well and he can run the ball. So obviously we'll get to see those see get to see that happen and see what kind of comes from that do you know where the location for the Michigan game is going to be um what's so Bam and uh Cincinnati and Dallas and you're playing the Cotton Bowl yeah I wanted to say that's the Cotton Bowl yeah where is it is it championship in uh championships in Indianapolis and Lucas Oil I want to say I don't even know to be honest with you let's see here because I'm about to say I'm, I'm trying to do process of elimination because you know that they I think they, they just kind of like switch up the New Year's Six Bowls or who is hosting the playoff game. Yeah. So if Bama, if Bama's in Dallas, they aren't doing the Rose Bowl this year? They aren't making that a... a um... Ohio State's in the Rose Bowl. So Ohio State, Utah. Oh, yeah. It's in the Rose Bowl. So that's... I got it right here. You got Alabama, Cincinnati will be in Cotton Bowl. So like you said, Dallas, AT&T. And that's who, as a matter of fact, we're going to talk about Baylor, Oklahoma State, which was at that very same stadium. And then you got Michigan versus uh, Georgia and uh, the Orange Bowl. So that'll be in Miami. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Orange Bowl, yeah. And that will be on New Year's Eve. So a lot to look forward to there heading into the new year. Uh, we're going to keep moving. Speaking of the Cotton Bowl, where we had the Big 12 championship game. I think a lot of people are probably in the South. This is probably some of the first action that we really watched of the Big 12. Besides, maybe if you tuned into a little bit of Oklahoma, maybe you watched the Red River rivalry. But um, Baylor, Oklahoma State, 
Baylor came out swinging. I was thinking, I was like Oklahoma State, because, you know, Oklahoma State only needed like one or two losses, and they would have been in potentially in the college football yeah. playoff or the chance. I didn't know what they were going to do with this one, but they lost. Baylor takes the win. The final score of 21-16. Uh, did you tune into this one, Thomas? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. I was, you know, I logged in on the, you know, championship weekend. But, uh, now, like you said, Baylor came out swinging. I'm like, man, this ain't good for Oklahoma State. Because, you know, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing, like you said. I'm sure um, not too many people had their eye on them throughout the season. Uh, really, in case, you know, unless you caught the Bedlam, you know, a couple weeks ago. Um, and maybe the Ray River rivalry, you know, earlier in the season. Uh, so, yeah, for this being, you know, maybe Oklahoma State's, you know, one of their first big games where just other people, fans of other teams are getting a chance to look at them. I'm like, man, they coming out, you know, wet in the bed, you know, primetime game or whatever. Um, but, you know, they ended up showing some fight in the second half, but uh, Baylor toughed it out. I mean, that's, that's one of the best endings I've seen to a football game ever. That's like something out of movie. Getting a hand on bouncing out outside. It's just you and one other guy racing to the ball line. That's like a movie scene. But, nah, I'm uh, – I mean, yeah, that's that's the way the chip folded, though, for Oklahoma State. Um, you know, I thought they would have came definitely with some more fire behind them, uh, understanding that, like you said, if only one or two guys in that, in that top four lose, I mean, they were right in there. So, uh, but, I mean, like I said, it was definitely a good game, though, came down to the wire. When you saw the Oklahoma State running back bounce to the outside, did you think at initially when we first saw him bounce, did you think he was going to get in that end zone? Yeah, I thought he was going to get in the end zone. Um, I think just because as a defender, I mean, kind of obvious, you're always on the defense. So it's like, I feel like that DB chasing him out there might have been a little hesitant because it's like, oh, what if he cuts back on me? You know, what if he, you know, just plants his foot, tries to go through me? Um so, yeah, I, I definitely thought when, once I saw him bouncing outside, I'm like, yeah, he's got to be. But that's a, a credit to that DB from Baylor. I mean, he, you know, hauled ass out there and beat him to the pylon. So. And it's a, literally, it's a game of inches. Like, it was so close. And this yeah. was I was like, oh, my God, he didn't get in there. And Baylor but Yeah, that's, it, it, it's crazy the way he dove and the way the ball came out. It's like it wasn't even necessary for a review because it rolled out just like inches in front of hitting the ball line. So it, was, it, was, it was like some other moves. And so that cost Oklahoma State the Big 12 championship game. Uh, seems like their head coach has been there a while. What's, uh, what's the guy's name? Gundy. Gundy. Mike he's Gundy. Been yeah, he's been there. I mean, I think he's been there since Des Bryant. I'm telling you, with the now he's got the mullet. It was like that's his. Yeah. He's enjoying his time out there. Clearly, uh, now he's got to deal with Brent Venables, who we'll talk about here in a second. Has <laughs> been in every year and every uh, what is that Bedlam? As a matter of fact, but Baylor and I did want to mention this too. Baylor quarterback Blake Shapin, uh, twenty three for twenty eight in this game, one hundred eighty yards. But was the number one ranked shortstop? Might have been baseball player at all, but I know for a fact the shortstop come out of Louisiana. And so there's been this thing that a lot of people think that because um, I think it was either Jordan or Quincy was talking about it. It's like okay, like a lot of people think of the pitcher on the baseball team. Oh, he could be a quarterback. But in the day and age in which the quarterback position is moving. The the position is almost more like uh, right in line with it. And baseball is actually the shortstop. Because the shortstop has to do a lot of off-platform movement, you know what I'm saying, like moving around and, and flick it back. So you do have cases like Jameis Winston where he was the pitcher and he's also the quarterback. But in the way that they, the way the game is going, a lot of times your shortstop, it would be your guy. And this was just a prime example. And you see even with like Justin Fields, I've noticed it a lot, like him rolling off to the left and being able to like kind of get some torque and throw the ball back right. And that generally comes from, you know, like reacting to the baseball and having to get the ball back to first base. My bad. My bad I have myself muted. But now, nah, I was about to say, that's crazy you mentioned that. Um, 
you know, the thing with Jameis, uh, I, I think that's a, a good point because, um, you know, like you said, you see short stops kind of with, with the off-kilter, off-balance kind of throws. But if you look at Jameis' style of play, you know, he's still like, you know, he he pitched in college, uh, but in the league, you see he's still, you know, sitting in that pocket, yeah. um, kind of deep ball, gunslinging type, where he isn't really necessarily out of the pocket, you know, throwing side arm stuff like that, um, trying to fit ball in a tough window. So, yeah, you can definitely see how that position they played in, in baseball translate to their, to their play on the field. Yeah, and so a lot of times I've noticed, like for the most part in college football, I look on the field. I look okay. A guy plays uh, quarterback. It's like do you play baseball in high school? And nine times out of ten, those guys even got drafted. Like for example, even uh, Tom Brady, he was drafted to go play pro baseball. He decided to go to Michigan. Now we know him mm-hmm. for who he is now. But a lot of times I'm noticing it's like those guys play baseball, whether position. And then Kyler Murray's another example. Pretty sure Kyler Murray played in the outfield, though. But nonetheless, there's mm-hmm. some lessons that can be used, specifically like torque and stuff. So that was kind of interesting to watch. Neither of these teams, obviously, Baylor, Oklahoma State, will be playing in the playoffs. But definitely some confidence for Baylor moving forward. You know, they had that whole thing under Art Browse. We were kind of under a dark cloud there. Yeah, yeah. Now they're kind of back in the swing of things and, you know, making stuff. And, and always have the dope uniforms. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I – that's that's I had to root for Baylor a little bit because Baylor's around me, my monarchs, that color scheme. They, they look yeah. like I'm so I, I, I had a choice but to root for them. And the boy Thomas was stepping all season on the field with the uniform, so <laughs> always the mixing in the match. <laughs> but hey, since we were talking about that, the Baylor quarterback who is from Louisiana, Brian Kelly to LSU. I did not like okay. Brian Kelly has been able to get to Notre Dame almost consistently in the playoff. And it did not factor to me how tough that is because who of the guys that are willing to and academically qualify to go to Notre Dame. So like, now that I think about that, it's like, oh man, apparently Louisiana has <laughs> more players per capita in the NFL than any other state per capita, you know, little logistics there. Cause you would think Florida, Georgia, yeah. Alabama's up there. So are you excited about seeing uh, uh, Brian Kelly at LSU, or what are your thoughts? Man, man, no, I ain't excited to see Brian Kelly at LSU. I ain't going to lie, that, that move threw me for a loop just because when I think of LSU, I, I think a lot of, you know, culture and tradition, just being out there in Louisiana, especially coming off Coach Doe, who was a guy, you know, who, like, you know, you look at them and it's like that is Louisiana right there, so. I don't really see any of that in Ryan Kelly. I mean, when you look at just LSU's play style and, and what they're known for, kind of nasty, you know, they always got, you know, dogs in them that, you know, whole DBU moniker they got on the uh, defensive back back there. And it's just like when I see Brian Kelly, I don't see any of that. Um, I mean, you know, like you said, he, he had Notre Dame in the in the uh, postseason pretty much, you know, or, or he had him at least competing for a playoff spot yeah. um, almost every year. But at the same time, it's like Notre Dame didn't really have like a, just kind of like a persona as a team. Like, you know, they were, you know, a good team we see in the playoffs, but it's like, what is y'all's identity? Um, so it's like him coming to LSU, I don't really know. I mean, I, like I said, he's a good football coach, but just as far as culture and, and, and tradition and if he's going to be able to to recruit out of Louisiana, you know, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about that. Um, so... And the reason I say I don't like it is, you know, I'm I'm a little lightweight LSU fan because my boy Tyron Matthew and all that, so I always want to see them do good. But I don't know if Brian Kelly is, is the guy for that program. And that's in, in the South, they don't play about football. It's, it's a little different in Louisiana than Indiana, so it's the fans ain't gonna play with them. So I'm I'm gonna be tuning in to see how it's gonna go for them. But I don't, I don't like that move personally. 
And just the fact that it's like, because for when you said I was a little different in the South, it's like Coach O won a national championship, cover your back, and he is gone. They have parted ways. Gone, yeah. just like that. And at Louisiana, there's so much talent in that state, and they're like, you better be Bama. Like, we know it's a yeah. tough task. It is Nick Saban, that other sideline, but we expect to beat Bama on a year-in, a year-out basis. So definitely something to watch for there. I did not, until I saw that per capita thing, I didn't realize, I knew at Louisiana put on a lot of talent, but it's such a different state too, because it's like guys grow up in Louisiana and they want to go right there to LSU. Yeah. Sometimes you yeah. get a guy that sneaks out of Louisiana like Devontae Smith, and he said that he was mm -hmm. ready to kind of get out. But a lot of time those guy running backs, it's like, where are all these guys coming from? They play high school, yeah. Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know if Kelly's going to be able to, to, to do that at LSU because, I mean, it's like, like I said, you guys can look at a coach, oh, he got the heavy, you know, Louisiana accent, things like that. We heard about the whole Crawford store with Joe Burrow. It's like, I don't see any of that with Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly's like, got nothing to do, nothing in common with anything from the South. So that, that threw me all the way yeah, so it's definitely be something to watch. And if he gets fired, we will definitely clip this up and be like, the boy Thomas called it. So, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> hey, we'll keep moving, going to Oklahoma. We predicted it, and it came true. Brent Venables to Oklahoma. They, and, and it's crazy because that fan base was so upset. And so to see last night, they're out there at the, like, the plane arrival, playing the, um, what is it? I can feel it coming in there. Phil Collins. And yeah. They're out there. Brent Venables excited to be back. I did not realize he turned down. The, I knew he turned down some head coaching jobs, but did you know he had turned down the Auburn coaching job a couple years back? Mm, I didn't oh, I know that. Yeah, I was doing some research for it. Yeah, he turned down like many offers and it's like, this is the perfect thing for him to leave, to leave there because he didn't want to be a co-defensive coordinator. Dabble goes and gets him because I think that was right after we gave up. I'm pretty sure that was right after we gave up 70 points to uh, oh, yeah, the West Virginia. Virginia. And for him to go get him and now he goes back there as the head man, the Oklahoma faithful is really loves him because they feel like he has that grit that they kind of want to see out of coach. It seems like it's a match made in heaven. Uh, what are your thoughts on Brent to Oklahoma? Definitely, I, I ain't gonna lie. You know, I hate Clemson from the bottom of my heart, but I'm, I'm happy to I'm happy to see Brandon, uh, Venables get up out of there um, and get his own head coaching gig just because he kind of been um, I don't want to call it a cloud like that was a bad guy or something, but you know, you, you look at Clemson, you think about Dabo Sweeney. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that he's going out and, and he's gonna be able to you know have his own program, implement his own coach, and we can see you know the the, the brand of football he puts out. Um, and like you said, I think the Oklahoma fans like that because of that, that grit he brings with him and, and just that winning pedigree. Um, it's not like he's some novice coach. You know, they're, they're, they're bringing up from like a small school, kind of hoping for the best. Um, you know, you know you're getting one of the top coordinators in the country. Um, so for one thing, we know, or I can't say we know, but we know at least Oklahoma going to try and play with some defense uh, yeah. this upcoming year. We know that that's one thing he'll bring. So uh, I'm definitely excited to see how Oklahoma fares out. I think Venable is going to bring kind of a, a different feel to the Big 12 with, you know, kind of more tough and, and, and physical team that he's going to try and make out there at Oklahoma. Especially with them heading into the SEC. It's like really because, like, he's been playing the SEC opponents. Like, even when they played Georgia, when, like, Georgia went crazy on that opener. Like, that defense was on par. Obviously, yeah. South Carolina every year usually play um, – 
like uh, like Alabama or somebody in the playoff. And so they've somebody seen, in the playoffs, yeah. Yeah, so they've seen him go against SEC competition with the ACC uh, roster and be able to hold his own. Did want to kind of mention some of the guys who are in the league or some top guys that he's coached up at Clemson. Uh, you got Bashad Breland, uh, Vic Beasley, who was a first-round pick, Grady Jarrett, who's been – I think he's one of the highest-paid athletes in the uh, whatever right now. Mackenzie Alexander, TJ Green, Jaron Curse. Uh, I'm really trying to get to these first-round defensive linemen. Cleveland Farrell, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, Trayvon Mullen, um, Tanner Musby, Winifred, Kayvon Wallace. So I just wanted to put some perspective everybody with like some of the guys that he's coached up at Clemson, consistently having Clemson with the bet at the top of all the defensive categories as far as best with scoring, best with rushing yards uh, allowed, passing yards allowed. So, and did you see who he's bringing as his offensive coordinator? Yeah, Ole Miss is OC, right? Man, and so like when you hear that, it's like if you're a fan base, I've heard enough about Lane Kiffin. I've seen Lane Kiffin throw that playbook in the air enough for deep touchdowns. <laughs> we like, we're in good hands. I don't need uh, to put a guy's name. He's coming from Ole Miss. He studied under Lane Kiffin. You know, Lane Kiffin kind of an asshole kind of on the low too. So you, for a guy to be able to be there with Lane Kiffin and he's learned under him, it's like, we're good. we got our defensive guy. We got our offensive guy. We're back. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep, for sure. Yeah, so I'm very excited to see what happens. And, oh, and I did want to mention this. And I know y'all were kind of bouncing all over the place. Y'all, this is, don't even think it's a podcast. Y'all just listening in on a conversation. <laughs> More Black people are excited to cheer for Notre Dame. And we're kind of hoping for them to go to the playoff this year than ever. Because for the most part, people really care about Notre Dame, at least down here for the most part. But whenever we saw Marcus Freeman, you got their head yep. coach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Notre Dame to the playoff. You might even have some black folks having fighting Irish on their shirts because we just like to see, you know, guys, uh, black guys work their way up through the coaching ranks and potentially become the head coach at an organization at a program like Notre Dame. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Is, I think that's the biggest thing is, is where he got it at. I mean, obviously, you know, African American coaches already struggle getting them head coaching positions at either level, college or, um, you know, professional. But to go to one of the perennial powerhouse in college football, I mean, Notre Dame is arguably, like, they right up there in yeah. that couple of schools that's, like, got one of the richest traditions in, in college football history. So that's major to, to have a, you know, a, a, you know, as a black man to be able to get that head coaching job. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. That's crazy. Like I said, just just thinking about all that, you know, if you really, you know, in the, in the college football and understand how them programs are, um, we're just – you know, not necessarily make it about skin color, but just having, you know, only so many head coaches come through them programs in general. I mean, like, uh, Bama has only had, you know, so many head coaches. You can probably count them coaches on both your hands. Uh, you know, programs like Michigan, you know, you'll, you'll see a head coach come there and stay there for 15, 20 years. So that's definitely that's definitely major for, for him to get a head coaching gig. Yeah, and so Marcus Freeman, because uh, I watched last season, because I think he was the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati, right? I'm pretty sure he I was. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because under Luke, yeah, he was there last year. So they, I remember they put like a picture yeah. of his family and they got like a whole bunch of kids and stuff. But anyway, so I went and did some research on him at Ohio State. He was a second team all Big Ten selection. He ended up playing a little bit in the NFL. But at his coaching career, I went to right here. 
Um, in 2018, Freeman's defense at Cincinnati led the American in rushing defense, scoring defense, total defense, and ranked among the top 15 in the uh, FBS in all three categories. So he's definitely, and in the next season in 2019, uh, they ranked, uh, they finished the top, the 2019 AAC ranks in score defense for the second straight season and ranked among the league's top three in rushing and rushing and total defense. So God obviously does a great job. He looks like the kind of guys that dots all his eyes and crosses T's, and you don't get that head coaching job at Notre Dame without these things, especially oh, yeah. whenever they didn't even, like, apparently they were expecting, you know, to go through the whole thing, but because all the players and different people are vouching for him, they're like, you know, we believe in you, we trust in you with the brand of Notre Dame. And so, like I said, I'm pretty sure you're going to see some more African-American folk hanging up there to um, Indiana. Oh, yeah. Maybe wearing, some that, maybe wearing some gold hats or something. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's big, you know, uh, again, that's big, Um, you know, from the recruiting aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Just, you know, you know, you'd be surprised how many uh, parents, you know, don't want to send their kid off just to a certain school because you're going to have a coach who, who they probably feel like can't even relate to him, you know, in a slightest bit. So that'll that'll be you know that's that'll probably open up a whole other um, aspect of recruiting up there in Notre Dame too. So yeah, that's that's a big move. And like you said, that's 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 big that they were able to trust him and give him a job so quick, being that he's only been there for you know a year or two. Most guys you see take over big powerhouse programs like that. You'll hear you know like he started off there as an intern or something, then was a coordinator, then was an assistant, then became head coach. So to come there. You know, and be a D coordinator in your first year, and then immediately get the head coach job right after that's yeah, that's big. Yeah, so that's definitely major. I'm definitely probably be watching them a little bit in the season. The only other time I've watched a ton of Notre Dame was whenever uh, Jalen Smith was there. Oh man, when yeah. Jalen Smith was there, oh man, I didn't even TJ. TJ used to be talking about him in class all the time. Jalen Smith, because mm-hmm. that was like the linebacker. I'm not gonna say he based his thing off him, but he definitely watched a lot. Of yeah, he was the guy at that time. We was in high school for sure. You know, because remember the uh, the the flood game. I think they wanted to call it the hurricane. Or remember when all that happened? They kind of shut down school. Yep. That was right after Deshaun Watson. Long story, but yeah. So that's yeah, you talking about the glory days right there. I remember that. That's a and you remember right the flood days. I remember that like it was yesterday. Back in the good times. Uh, but uh, so yeah, so excited for that. Just want to mention Ohio State will play Utah in the Rose Bowl. Pretty sure that's going to be on New Year's Day, if I'm not mistaken. But now the thing becomes, will Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave suit up? Because we just kind of seen what happens with the Alabama receivers sometimes. And that that game was a meaningful game because it was the SEC championship game. And he has a torn ACL. So I'm sure those guys have to take that under consideration as both of those guys do go to prepare. You know, after that Rose Bowl game, which while it is a big game, the granddaddy of them all, you're not going to go to the, you're not going to have a chance at the national championship, whether you play in this game or not. So what do you think? You think uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave suits up or do you think they bypass it and go ahead and head to Arizona or to Exos or wherever they want to decide to go? Yeah, I, I think they're going to go ahead and skip the bowl game and probably go ahead and get straight for that training. Cause I mean, it'd be one thing if, if um, you know, Ohio State hadn't done nothing in their first two or three years here. And this was like their first chance at like a big game or something, but, They've been in the national championship last year. They've been in playoff games. They've been in games bigger than this. And like you said, it doesn't necessarily – I mean, you know, it'll it'll count as far as bringing back a, a Rose Bowl to Ohio State. You know, that's obviously one of the, the, the biggest bowl games in college football history. But, I mean, like you said, they, they played in bigger games before, and you don't want to risk, you know, a million dollars on the line getting an injury in a game that doesn't necessarily 
count for much. And they, they've already proven themselves enough. So I think that's the biggest thing they've proven themselves enough. They don't really, you know, extra film, uh, extra game of film isn't really going to help or hurt their draft stock in any way. So yeah, it'll just be the best decision to go ahead and skip it. And if they do go, we'll get to see a lot of those other Ohio State receivers. We'll kind of get to see what we have to look forward to next season. Um, yep. So apparently Notre Dame opens up ne next year. Notre Dame plays Clemson, Ohio State, and Southern Cal. In they did that. I saw it. I saw it because I think RJ Young. If y'all are y'all listen to this podcast, you should be RJ. Y'all should be college football enthusiasts. Listen to RJ Young. That guy is so good at his. Like, he is a beast at it. He has his own YouTube channel. And he partnered with Fox College Football. But yeah, oh, I no, yeah, that yeah, no, nah, that was that was crazy to see. That was crazy to see. I ain't gonna lie. When I saw he went from YouTube and then got on Fox with it, I'm like, that just show you how times change. You can really just go from doing your own thing and then ending up on a, on a major platform like Fox. And now he's interviewing like at Big Ten Media Days. He's sitting out with Ryan Day and all these other guys. I was like, wow, this is insane. I've, last year, I was looking for a season preview of Ohio State football, and I happened to stumble on RJ Young, and the game has changed since then. So, but yeah, so Marcus Freeman's got his work cut out for that one. But I will look forward to, like I said, if those guys do choose to go ahead and go to the league, um, get to get a sneak peek of what we got coming because we know Jackson Smith and the Jigba is going to be back. We know Travion Henderson is going to be back. I think C.J. Stroud just got Big Ten offensive player or it might be a Big Ten player of the year in general. So definitely excited to see who, who Trout's out there. I want to go to that game so bad because I really always want to go to the Rose Bowl. As a matter of fact, Y'all, the Matt Sports House logo actually came from the uh, the Rose Bowl game whenever Dwayne Haskins played there, whenever Scary mm -hmm. Carey and all those guys were out there. Dwayne Haskins had the coldest a highlight video from that year. He used the turn <laughs> of symbol, you know, with J. Cole. Yeah, yeah. He used that. I, I was like, when I heard about that song and then the whole thing put together, it was crazy. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I might have to redo this logo heading into next year. But um, two last things, and then we're going to skip the last little bit. Um, let's talk about Ohio State. Thomas, I came on this platform last week. And I said, you know what, Thomas, either Cal McCoy or Quinn Ewers is transferring in a year or so. Because I was thinking, okay, CJ Stroud got one more year at Ohio State. And then Cal uh, McCord and Quinn Ewers will battle for that starting position. Whoever doesn't get it will leave. Well, Quinn, Quinn Ewers just, I guess he already deposited his, I'm out of here this week. Could you believe whenever he decided to transfer after one season in which he got it? I guess he redshirted because he didn't even play. Were you like, what were your exactly. thoughts when you first heard that news? Uh, kind of like, what was the point of even going there in the first place? If this is going to be the end result? I mean, obviously, you can't see into the future when you go somewhere. You know, I'm sure on the recruiting trip, coaches, you know, sold them dreams. It was all going to be fun and games or whatever, but. I don't get it because it's kind of like you ain't even let the situation play out. I mean, the kid not even supposed to be a freshman in college. This is supposed to be a senior in high school. So, I mean, you already kind of, you know, I don't want to say getting a free year, but, I mean, yeah, he did get registered, so the year don't even count for anything. But, yeah, it's like he didn't even let it play out. He didn't even let it get to the point to where it was going to be a competition. It's, I don't know. But, you know, I don't want to read too deep in this situation. You know, we never know what's going on, you know, you know, uh, you know, in, in, you know, in that personal situation at Ohio State, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but just from the outside looking in, it's definitely a head scratcher. Um, yeah, it's definitely a head scratcher. 
it's looking like the, the the guy. It seems like now that he's going back, like because I guess he went home for uh, Christmas or you know probably finished up exams or whatever. And I'm assuming, yeah, he definitely won't be at the Rose Bowl. So uh, it's <laughs> even like he's the wants to go back to Texas. And the three teams that they have been kind of predicting he potentially go to would be AM, Texas Tech, or Texas. Really, it seems actually like Texas Tech has actually got a lot of steam for him. I feel like at Texas Tech, he'd probably go in to start right away. Might be like probably yeah. transition. Whereas, like, I think at Texas, they got Caleb Thompson or Thomas. I think it's Thompson. And at Texas AM, that quarterback just beat Alabama. So, exactly. yeah, you come on now. So it's like yeah. you can bring this guy in here, but granted, Quinn Hughes, we know he is a really talented guy, but we also know in college football there's a lot of development that has to take place. And it's like these guys, you know, been working really hard, might be up in the system. And Jimbo Fisher, you know, puts a heavy hand on those quarterbacks. So any really early predictions of where you think he might go? I was just about to say, I don't think if I if I had to eliminate one school, I think I would eliminate AM because I think just me taking an educated guess. I'm thinking that whole um, them couple of interviews with Ryan Day might not have sat over too well. We yeah. were kind of like, like, y'all ain't going to see him anytime soon. Like, he ain't nowhere close to being ready. Yeah. I think that kind of wrote it. And so going to AM, I feel like Jimbo is kind of that same kind of coach to where it's like, I'm not just going to throw you out here just because you're just because your name, just because you're yeah. a high-level recruit. Like, you actually got to own yourself. Whereas a program like Texas Tech, um, you know, he probably can go in there and be that guy from day one and start. So I could see a Texas Tech. Like you said, Texas already has their guy and Caleb Johnson. Um, you know, A&M has their guy. And like I said, you know, Jim Fisher. I kind of see him uh, coaching the same way as, as – not coaching the same way as Ryan Day, but just that same philosophy where it's like you got to come in and prove yourself. Um, so, yeah, if I, if I just had to throw a guess out there, I would, I would guess uh, Texas Tech. Because we kind of got to see how tough they did a behind the scenes. I think it, I don't know if it was on Showtime, but it was the year whenever DeAndre Francois was mm-hmm. the quarterback at Florida State. And you got to see how tough Jimbo Fisher is on his quarterback. Because I remember at one point, DeAndre, I don't know, he's like, figure it out. And it, you could just tell Jimbo, he's going to try to get the best out of you, but it's going to come with some stuff. It seems yeah, like he ain't going to baby you. Yeah, it seems like Lane Kiffin potentially Dan Willett, potentially are a little bit more, I don't know about Dan, but definitely Lane is a little bit more, I'm going to become friends with the quarterback with Matt Carell. We're going to develop together. Jimbo is like, get it done and figure it out. This is your team. So, but like you said, like a Texas Tech, and this is probably a bad example, but like Patrick Mahomes got to deal with what he kind of want to do down here at Texas Tech. Because whenever (laughs) they said that the the head coach, what I know I'm drawing a blank right now. Head coach right now at Kingsbury. Uh, what'd you say? Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury. He texted Jordan Palmer whenever he wanted Jordan Palmer to start working with uh, Patrick Mahomes. He's like, yo, I got this guy that's kind of like a thing. Like his footwork is not necessarily, but he can get that ball out. And we, I know he's going to be a sensational talent. And they'll take that all day long at Texas Tech. We will mm-hmm. throw, we might lose every game, but if we're scoring 60 points, we about to have this beer, we're gonna keep it moving. Meanwhile, you know, these other organizations is like, no, that's not gonna work as well. So it's gonna be interesting to see where Quinn Ewers ends up going. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this guy's name. I do not I hope I don't mispronounce it. Cade Clubnick. He's a recruit that's coming to Clemson. This so this is his senior year of high school. He goes to Westlake High School in Austin, Texas. 
he beat Quinn Ewers last season in the state championship game. And I don't think people really been giving him as much love as they probably should be. But this guy is a guy. He beat whatever, Quinn Ewers was like a top tier. Oh my God, this is the next best quarterback after Trevor Lawrence since like Andrew Luck. They went yeah. to AT&T Stadium and he, left way, and he led Westlake over them. He's going to Clemson. So, granted, DJ has some time that he's spending that offense at Clemson, but it's definitely not on some, hey, we kick back and relax. It's going to be fine. Like, I feel like this kid is coming for that job. I don't know if he's going to be able to win it. We did see the Clemson, the Clemson backup quarterback enter the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. So, of all years to come in as a backup quarterback at Clemson, K's got to be coming into this job looking like, yo, Look here, like, hey, I'm not saying I've led 80,000 people at Death Valley, but, hey, we've been out here in Westlake, Texas. I've been making some stuff happen. (laughs) And we did see Kelly Bryant be the starter after taking Clemson to the playoff, and Trevor Lawrence come in and take the starting job. So, if I'm changed, I'm saying, hey, look. (laughs) And uh, so I definitely did want to throw that name out there. So, in case uh, he like so Clemson fans that are listening can kind of check him out a little bit, but he's got the clash. I was watching his highlight videos on Instagram. He got it there. Boy, he got it killing it. So it's gonna be interesting to watch. Uh like what nah, uh, uh let me just say he's like a level quarterback. What were you gonna say? No, nah, I was just about to speak on that real quick and I was about to say you that's a great point. Not only with the I completely forgot about the whole Kelly Bryan and Trevor situation. So just off the off based off that situation, they'll see that will quickly put in a freshman over a guy who's been there. Yeah. But, um, I'm drawing a blank here. Um, well, I'm drawing a blank here, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my bad. I just drew a whole blank about the situation. Oh, oh, but oh, no. Okay, I know what I was about to say. I feel like he's going to come in there with some confidence, too, because, uh, like you said, we, we see what DJ put out the last year. So, I think them guys coming in kind of see, like, this DJ kid ain't, ain't all, you know, hyped up what, what we thought he was going to be. So, it can actually be some some competition down there, so I'm gonna definitely have my eyes tuned in on that. Um, but I'm at the same time I say that, and, and that brings me back to wonder why the, the backup from last year transferred. Um, but you know who, who who knows who was in his ear, you know, telling him he could come to you know his school and start from day one. So, but yeah, I'm gonna definitely have my eyes on that Clemson situation for sure. Yeah, I even I've seen so many guys. Clemson has a lot of guys entering the transfer portal. Lynn J. Dixon, I think he is now signed to go to. Oh man, hold on, let me look that up real quick because I just had I put it on the Matt Sports House account. Lynn mm-hmm. J. Dixon, who was supposed to be the running back uh, that I thought was going to just kind of take the stride and head to the draft this year, apparently yep. him and uh, CJ. I saw Ladson, Frank Ladson hit the portal, the receiver, and he played a lot this year. Exactly. Yeah. So I was kind of shocked by that. Maybe some receivers were a little upset with uh, uh, maybe their lack of production because DJ just wasn't able to kind of get it together like they thought that he would have been or what they were expecting. But this portal, like we said, has changed the game. And Lynn J. Dixon is going to West Virginia. So that's going to be something to watch there. He's going out there at the Big 12 where they air it out. But I guess in case you get a run and you can take it deep because them them defensive backs and linebackers are so far back because they're used to them throwing the ball all the time. So you'll be able to make something happen there. But um, I got a I got a quick question, Matt. I don't even know if you might know that. I'm just throwing it out. But is there some kind of rule? I know they got recruiting rules and all that kind of stuff. But I just be kind of like these guys seem to find a destination awfully quick once they hit the portal. Yeah, I'm like they don't go through the same. I mean, I'm I'm sure it ain't like they don't allow visits or official visits and stuff. But like, 
I don't know. I'll just be wondering how guys decide so quick once they hit the portal what that next school is. Like, it seems like they're talking to the coaches because what I understand, a lot of these guys still have the context from like, you know, the recruiting process. It seems that's what like I was they thinking. Are talking to these coaches throughout the season. That's what I was thinking. Like, yeah. it's like, okay, maybe I might be leaving. Let me head on back. Or maybe you have a, a, a friend that you met at one of the All-American games and he plays there. And it's like, hey, t- hey tell your coach I might be entering the port. It's some type of tampering mm-hmm. going on. And college football got to go. That's what I'm saying. I know it got to be some kind of tampering. Because it's like <laughs> these dudes at the end of the portal and then the next day it's like, yeah, I'm going here. Yeah, it has to be. Because otherwise it's almost like um, – it's almost like Lincoln Riley waking up the next day and getting this record-setting contract at the University of Southern Cal. It's like, mm-hmm. no, this, there is no way in the world this just happened. Yeah, yeah. I think for a fact, guys are talking to coaches and, coach, and coaches are, you know, they're because especially because it's early signing period, like they're recruiting all the time anyway. And it's like, hey, coach, I'm thinking about leaving. The coaches is like, we probably already built some sort of relationship. And so if your film yeah. matches, like, well, hey, what are we talking about here? So, uh yeah, see, that, that's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm pretty sure if we could take some hard study or look into, you know, these guys we had the portal and then look at where they end up, it's probably some kind of correlation to, like, a coordinator or something who recruited them to another school coming out of high school, which, like you said, they still had that connection. Yeah. But, yeah. Now, yeah. I was about to say, I just had to throw that question out there real quick. Yeah, because there's no way these guys are just flipping the nut and signing. Like, and then also, like, in business, you know, everything's supposed to be ethical. But, like, this is a major business. <laughs> <laughs> what ethical stuff is going on here uh, behind closed doors. So speaking of another uh, guy who's entered the portal, and they think, a lot of people think Spencer Rattler is heading to UCLA. So uh, Spencer Rattler got a bad rep when he when he did that QB1 series. And it seems like that has not left him. You hear a lot of people talking about, like, yo, his attitude's kind of trash, whatever have you. I don't know if these things are true. But based on the, the, what everybody saw, I think that was either Netflix, whatever, QB1. Mm-hmm. And then it seems like you hear rumblings coming out of Oklahoma of that. And so I feel like a lot of coaches are probably like, we would love to have a talented kid. But I don't know if we necessarily want if this is true. You know, they have coaches as friends, but I don't know if we yep. want that part of our organization. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because that they, and when you bring guys in like that, it, it affects the whole locker room. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to necessarily call it negative energy, but I mean, and, and sometimes that's what it can be. Um, you know, team will have a good game, y'all will get a win, but you know, your quarterback's coming in mad at everybody just because he didn't throw for 300 yards or something. That can easily you know, split a locker room up. So I know coaches are definitely probably hesitant in, in reaching them out. I mean, in reaching out to him, they're probably, you know, hitting up his old coaches, hitting up Lincoln Riley. Yeah, how was he in the locker room? How was he, you know, when he didn't get his way, you know, things like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I got to see some some stuff from that QB1 series. And, yeah, when you take a guy like that who, you know, had that kind of arrogance in high school and then you you take him to one of the premier programs in the nation, make him a starting quarterback, it's only going to get worse, honestly. So, yeah, I, I can see how that was a problem in Oklahoma for sure. And it's like you kind of give him more resources, like what's going to happen. Just crazy to think, though, that it's like between him and DJ, the guys got the big deals, commercials and stuff. It's like the season did not pan out, you know, how they probably were looking to. But uh, we'll see what happens with that. I think DJ also had like something wrong with his hand, so I'm sure that'll recover. But we're gonna see what happens next year. College football is so doggone exciting now with this free agency. <laughs> it, it, it's not free. Agency. I'll tell you. But with free agency and college, if Thomas, I swear to you, if they put these home, if they put these college football, because once this playoff expands, 
Oh my gosh, this is gonna be crazy. So between playoff expansion, free agency, college football is year round at this point. And those of us who are these major college football fans, we absolutely love it. I'm telling you, this, this is like what we've been waiting on. I know for sure, at least from my perspective, with that playoff, that's something I've been wanting since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, just I ain't even gonna talk about that BCS. I don't even know how that BCS thing was working, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited for that expansion of the playoff. Hey, and once they give us back NCAA. Look, Matt, 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 don't get me started on this podcast, Matt. Yeah. Matt, don't get me started on. Hey, before disclosure, me, Thomas, and Hunter have probably played the NCAA game at least 2,000 times. Oh, I was about to say <laughs> lame. I was like, I can't put out that man's address like that. But uh, we, played, <laughs> we played that game so much. Years and years after the game was no longer, they were continuing to make new ones. We just kept playing the old one with the Thomas, you know, the read option, the pitch. Man, look. That's probably Man, it's, like, it's like a hole in my heart that ain't never got fixed, but it's I'm coming back new. And, we, and that's probably what we so doggone good at knowing this football stuff. Between analyzing it and playing that game for hours upon hours and then going to throw the football for more hours. You ain't hours. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so once that's done, I'm going to be at good. I'll be at beach. They won't hear from me no more. I'm telling you. Last question I want to – God, dog, we really didn't even get to high school football. Oh, my God, this is a long episode. Y'all, if you're still <laughs> with us, this is the best content you're going to get. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, Thomas, if you're South Carolina, you got Luke Dottie. They started showing some progression with Jason Brown last season. Do you go to the transfer portal and go get you another quarterback out this portal, or are you sticking with Luke and Jason Brown until uh, the wheels fall off? That's tough. I mean – Cause we see, I think we saw with Luke. Luke's got a lot of potential. I think we saw that with him. Um, he ain't necessarily come in and you know obviously have us winning a bunch of games and stuff. But just talent wise and what he did in the games, we we see he's got the potential there. So essentially, same thing with Jason Brown, but it's kind of different. Same potential with the guy who's like a six-year senior. Um, uh, but I mean, we saw you know the the, the product he put out in them last few games where he got opportunity. You know, I had Carolina last year. Honestly, I think if I were Beamer, I think you give it one more year to to decide if you're gonna hit that portal. Like I said, I like what I saw from Doty. And you you at least at, at least you know you got two guys coming back um, you know, with experience under their belts. So that's two experienced guys you got um for this next season. Obviously, we know Brown is gonna be gone after next year, so I think that's maybe when you uh you know take a look in that portal. But I think as, as far as the 2021 season, I think he, he might be good on the portal. Unless he's, you know, obviously getting guys, like I said, um, the future once once uh, Jason Brown leaves. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, and I just want to put in perspective so everybody doesn't forget, like Luke Doddy was a very highly touted quarterback. Uh, he oh, yeah. actually was at that same Elite 11 with that C.J. Stroud came to and won the tournament. Mm -hmm. I, I watched it. If, if y'all want to spend some time on YouTube, uh, it's Elite 11. I think it was in, in Texas. I know it was at the Cowboys practice facility or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But he, he was there and their team went across and went against one another. And it's crazy how careers change, right? So it's like CJ came in there kind of unknown. I think he left there with the Ohio State offer. I don't think he had it mm -hmm. going into it. Guys end up going different. One's a Big Ten player of the year. Other guys kind of trying, you know, uh, recover from injury for the second straight year. So something to watch there. But, uh, I don't know. And, and the competition brings out the best of guys, too. So it's like you got these two guys going. Jason has kind of feel like, okay, I can get the job done. Maybe I need to work on some things, but I get the job done. Luke is yeah. a competitive guy naturally. 
still and it's, and, what are you saying? No, nah, I was about to say, not because you're off, and it's a healthy competition. It's not like you bringing in two guys coming out of high school or two transfers who don't know each other. These guys already spent, you know, a season together playing with each other. So it's not necessarily a competition like, I hope I beat you out and you transfer. It's just like kind of, you know, like may the best man win, whoever wins, I'm going to support you, you know, until it's my turn. So I think either way, Carolina's kind of in, in a good situation this next year with the quarterback. For sure, for sure. I always say in Carolina, the video staff going to go crazy. The fans ready at <laughs> all times. Uh, now, now it's just obviously the on-field play. I think Jalen Foster definitely is heading to the draft. I think he, he had a signing the other day at one of the local gyms. I want to ch- chosen Uno training, if I'm not mistaken. But yes, yeah, so mm-hmm. obviously had a big year for him. I'm sure he'll get the scouting combine uh, invite, and we'll see what happens with Jalen. Once again, walk on story went to Gardner Webb from Burns High School. Set it off this season. It's get, what one year could do for you. Now, granted, he's been working hard. I'm sure all this time, but one year to turn you up in that SEC. And uh, we'll see what happens with them for some high school football. <laughs> we finally made it to some high school football. <laughs> we started off every week talking about high school football. Stuff started happening. Things just went left. Anyway, we wanted to go ahead and say Camden did lose their state championship. I think Camden is 4A. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, they're 3A. We're at 3A, Region 6. They lost the state championship to Daniel for the second year in a row they played Daniel last year and lost two. Mm. I thought Camden had a better team last year. This year's team, probably a little more resilient because they've had some injuries, but they lost to Daniel 45 to 20. Y'all know Daniel High School, Dabo Sweeney's son goes to um, Daniel High School and all the rest of them have went there. Also the likes of Shaq Lawson and DeAndre Hopkins also uh, spent their time, uh, their high school playing careers at Daniel High School. So big win for Daniel. And then uh, what I was about to say, and last but not least, Gray Collegiate Academy. Great, hey, I don't know if that boy Tyler be listening, but shout out my guy Tyler Rivard. He went to Gray Collegiate too, but he went there kind of early when they were trying to kind of put everything in order there and like really make it into almost like that charter type school. But uh, Gray Collegiate uh, gets the win in the state. Their, their own state championship game. They compete in the 2A Region 3, beating Silver Bluff 49 to 14. Me and Thomas were talking a little bit ahead of time because it's Casey Adams kids getting kind of going crazy over there. He's committed to go to Georgia State. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. He's going to <laughs> go remove that kind of. Uh, <laughs> he committed to Georgia State to go play with Sean Elliott. This year, y'all listen to this. This is insane. We had to like double check the stats to make sure this was accurate. 3,343 rushing yards. 42 touchdowns, and the kid got a 4.5 GPA. So heck of a year for the, the, the Georgia State commit, standout. I'm sure he'll get Mr. Football this year. His high school coach said that he's the best player that guy is that he's ever coached. And the guy and their quarterback last season went to Clemson. So that tells you everything you need to know about that. So any thoughts, Thomas? Man, like Matt said, we, he told me the stats beforehand. We looking them up, and I'm like, I'm like, man, these got to be his his all four year total to add it up or something. But sure enough, we saw that that 2021 stat line about four thousand something rushing yards, forty touchdowns. I'm like, I don't know how. I mean, hey, he he probably did have a bunch of major D one offers, but probably took the smarter route and said, I can go to Georgia State and, and play, you know, and get my numbers up quickly rather than waiting, you know, two three years at a bigger school. So, no, nah, I'm I'm definitely happy for him. It's, it's good to see we, you know putting out uh, that kind of talent out of, out of South Carolina, mainly out of Columbia, too. And, yeah, shout, shout out to that boy Tyler out of great. Tyler doing a big overseas basketball thing. Shout out to my boy Tyler. 
I'm telling you, man. So uh, at this point, they're probably gonna. I'm assuming they keep producing really good talent like this. They'll probably have a dope like alumni, like as far as guys. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it is kind of crazy. We gonna talk about Tyler for a quick second. That boy Tyler that came a long way from Dent Middle School. Man, played <laughs> overseas, went to a couple different schools. Ended up going to Lander. It is crazy. I don't know if you seen, but I went to Tyler's game at. Um, against USC agent because it was somewhat close. And Tyler opened the game with like two or three threes. And it's like, this boy really has developed. You know what I'm saying? So that's- Did it, not the Tyler we knew it in middle of high school and stuff, for sure. It's come a long way. So shout, shout out him, shout out Great Collegiate. I'm sure they're going to, and then I'm, I'm assuming what's going to continue to happen, kind of like what's happening right now at AC floor. Parents are like, granted school is very important. Make sure you get the grades. But it's like, yo, they're getting a Great Collegiate. They're getting guys, they're putting the talent in best position to be successful. And so maybe it's like, you know what, maybe we're going to take you out of Dreer or Northeast, wherever else. And it's like, we're going to put you at Great mm -hmm. Collegiate. And you're, it's a charter school. Their schooling is kind of designed more like a, a college, like a college as opposed to like uh, maybe like regular school where you're in school all day. So maybe you'll see yeah. that transition kind of happening like we see like in Florida, like IMG Academy and places like that. I definitely wouldn't be surprised. And, and especially with, these NIL things, I mean, because, you know, you go to you go to a little prep high school that just opens you up for better offers from, you know, better schools. And like I said, at this point with the NIL thing, kids are getting paid big money on a college level. So you ain't, you ain't even got to wait till your kid gets to the pros to wait on that payoff now. Honestly, it's like if you give them the right, um, you know, training and put them on the right path in high school, it'll pay off for you at the college level. So I definitely see parents making a lot more moves like that. Yeah, and then we already see like top players going to private schools too. As mm. like matter of fact, Hammond's running back. I think I've said this before in the pocket. He's going to Michigan. Oh, so he's probably really excited right now. And then now I think about it, he's, <laughs> he's probably so stoked. Like what? Because you know, for obviously Michigan's a good program, but it's kind of like hey, Michigan. You know, not going to win the Big Ten championship, not going to be Ohio State, but you know, it's a good program. Went to win ten, ten games a year. Like now he's like, yeah, hey, if I'm him, I'm wearing the gloves in class. Like, don't play with your boy. Like, <laughs> hey, you remember we used to talk about it in high school? It's like game day walking with your helmet on in class. Like it's Friday. Yeah, no, no. It ain't nothing like the Friday experience, boy. For sure. So, y'all, that's all we have for y'all today. Thomas, I say it every time. Another great episode. We're going to see how this NFL stuff goes. Actually, I got a couple guests lined up. Thomas, I'll probably have you, remember you and Rayshawn, on definitely heading into the college football playoff, maybe one week in between there just to talk a little NFL. Yep. You know, man, like, you know I'm always down with it. It's what with me when it comes to talking to the ball. I'm, I'm always down for that. Yeah, for sure, man. We always appreciate you having on. That's all we have for you all. Thanks for staying with us. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's a little right, but me and Tom is going to talk this talk. So that's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Peace. One day, the sun will set on my time here and will rise one as the new king. And this will all be mine? Everything. In my freshest J's, I ain't slept days. Girl, you going to make me late undressing me. No, you ain't seen me since yesterday. But see, I got a date with destiny. Cause this is summer that our life changed Hope asked me, is you ready for it? I looked around at all his nice things Told him, nigga, you already know it huh. Bitch, I'm the man of the year Yeah, yeah, 
straight through this bitch. 